Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Hello and welcome back to the Innovate for Impact podcast. It's Dan Bentley here. Tracy Newman's here as well. Happy New Year, everybody. Great to be back. So good to be back. Yeah, we hope you really all had a great break and had some time to relax, put your feet up, reflect. You know, if you're like me, probably do a bit of learning over that period as well, just because you just can't stop. But yeah, we hope you're all back on board now and are ready for a big 2024. Yeah, what I find this time of year is that often there's that moment of reflection and you and that energy that you get through you know having some rest and some downtime and actually thinking about well, what do I want out of 2024 who do I want to be this year and how do I need to show up so I'm really as always very excited about this conversation today likewise you would have noticed as well we had a little bit of a break over the Christmas and New Year period too, so it's it was nice, but we absolutely missed speaking to you all, so it's also great to be back. As always, let's do an acknowledgement of country before we do get into the content. So I'm in Melbourne and I'm on the lands of the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations, and I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And I would like to share that acknowledgement and acknowledge Ghana as the custodians of the Adelaide Plains region and also share my respects for elders past, present and future as well. Great. So today what we're going to talk about is that it's a new year and we want to talk about as a leader, what do you need to do to create a culture of innovation within your organisation? Yeah, and it is really exciting when you consider how much ability you have to be a really positive role model, but also to really create that environment where people can bring their true selves and bring that creativity. And it really does, when done well, create that that sense of energy and, and fun within the workplace as well, we find. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the content that we talk about is very much focused on an organizational change level. Today, what we really want to do is talk about what can you do as an individual? Now, we have listeners of our podcast from all different levels of organizations. I'd probably say, mainly speaking, they are at the higher end of the organ, in the more senior roles in the organization, but we do have all sorts of people that listen in. And so we wanted to make this one really relatable today so that no matter what leadership role you're in, that this could be really relatable and something that anyone could implement because some of these things that we're about to go through apply to leadership in general. Yeah, and as with any type of leadership, there's the formal leadership that's like the role type of leadership, but then there's just that leadership behaviour. And I know that many of the people who listen to this podcast also have big lives and are showing up as leaders in all sorts of places, whether that's in a volunteer capacity or or just in their life. So there will be some good information here that's going to work well alongside that as well. Yeah, so in one of our previous episodes recently, we spoke a little bit about mission focus and we've, we always sort of talk about these four different pillars of our Innovate for Impact framework that we use as consultants. And as we've mentioned before, this framework has been developed by working with lots and lots of 
the most innovative and impactful organizations across Australia and understanding what are the things that they have in common. And so the first one is mission focus. The second one is about creative leadership. And that's what we're going to talk a bit more today about. When we talked about mission focus in one of the other episodes recently, that's really about knowing the direction that you're heading in and how do you sort of create that. This one today is really about how do you as a leader yourself or even your peers and and other leaders in the organization, how do you bring all of that to life? And so we've got about five different areas that we're going to take you through that are going to enable you to really create that culture of innovation. And that's what the leadership team really does in an organization when it comes to innovation. Sometimes we underestimate the role that we really play in people's lives. You know, there's a lot of research out there that suggests that even if you have a really amazing organization, something like 80% of your perception of what that organization is to work at comes back to the relationship you have with your one-up manager. So, it is a huge role that we play and we've seen teams before that thrive and do a really great job when they have a leader in an organization that's fantastic at some of the things we're about to go through today and the rest of the organization is not doing these things and all those people enjoy working there this team gets better results and all those sorts of things conversely we've also seen the opposite being true as well we've had an organization that's quite good at the five different areas we're about to go through in a moment but a certain leader is not good at these areas we've seen that team perform quite poorly across multiple metrics including people's enjoyment of or lack of enjoyment probably more so of the job so it is important and so yeah what we're going to do is go through these today and really talk to you about how you can really create that environment that lets innovation and creativity work yeah all about bringing the mission to life so as you said dan you know we've talked a lot about the importance of that mission but really where we see the rubber hitting the road is in how the leaders bring that mission to life within the organization. That is, how do they talk about it? How do they include it in all of the conversations they have? How do they tie any changes back to that mission? How do they make sure that it's included in all of the different interactions that they're having with their people? And how do they make sure that they're not really sort of sharing one message and then rewarding or recognizing behavior that doesn't align with the achievement of that mission. So it's really all about how exactly does the the leader turn this kind of static message into something that's living and breathing and something that is, you know, that big shared uniting goal right across the organization. Yeah. So, What you might be thinking of there is, well, maybe I already do this, but we have a little framework that we like to share with our clients, which is the CIA method. And it's got nothing to do with the CIA in America. It just happens to be the similar acronym. But what it does enable you to do is sort of think about this structurally. And maybe you could, as you're listening to this podcast, take a moment to pause it and have a think about these three different areas to see how you are tracking. The first one being C is all about the communications that you are as a leader putting out into the organization. So, when we say communications, that could be uh, blog posts, that could be emails that you're sending out, it could be how you're presenting at conferences, it could be any type of way that you communicate really at the end of the day is what the C stands for. And what you want to be thinking about here is kind of what Tracy was talking about before is this is where you're sort of like weaving in the the message of the mission into what you're doing in all the different ways that you are communicating. 
And that's what the first one is. So the question you might want to ask yourself is that, you know, when I'm communicating in the organization, am I constantly linking things to like any change or anything that I'm asking people to do to the organization's mission? Because what that does for people is it allows them to join the dots and it helps them to understand the importance of what we're asking people to do and how that aligns with the organization's mission and achieving that. The next one is I, and that stands for interactions. So what we want to think about here is when you're running things like your one-on-ones with your team, you know, might be holding team meetings or other types of forums like that, any interactions that you have with people, are you also linking those interactions and messages that you're putting out there in those interactions to the organization's mission? A good example of that is when you're talking to somebody about the achievement or not achievement of certain goals, are you explaining to them how critical that is and how that affects the organization's overall mission with how their performance links to that? And finally, the last one is alignment. And alignment is all about do the ways that you reward and recognize people, and that can be both from a monetary perspective or even just a praise and what you talk about perspective, does that align to achieving the organization's mission? And an example of that could be that people having a set of goals that are maybe historical or have just been set in isolation that don't any way connect to what the organization's trying to achieve. That might seem like something at face value that is like, well, why would you do that? But you'd be surprised how often we see this in organizations where the goals are more so about just trying to measure something out of the job rather than like, well, what does this role really need to deliver as part of being in a team that needs to deliver on the organization's mission? Yeah. One of the things that we hear when we're talking to people about really bringing the mission to life is that we often have the perception that we're doing that because it's very familiar to us and we hear all of the conversations that we're having about it. You know, we see that connection, we understand that alignment. And this is kind of like taking that next step and being really deliberate. And my favourite saying is, you know, just when you begin to feel nauseous that the idea of mentioning it again is at the same time that people are starting to hear you. So it often feels really awkward as a leader to feel like you're saying the same thing over and over and over again, but in slightly different ways. But that's exactly how it's supposed to feel. If you don't feel nauseous, keep going. And if you do feel nauseous, keep going. Yeah, you can't do this enough. Like, honestly, that is the advice. I know you might be cringing going, oh, geez, people are going to be getting sick of me doing this, but it doesn't really happen that much. And if it does, your message is like Tracy said, it's probably starting to get through. So that's what you're looking for. Yeah. One of my other favorite sayings is Coke still advertise. So everybody knows the brand Coca-Cola, but they still spend money putting that brand in front of people and, you know, making the connection between drinking Coca-Cola and having a good time. So if they're still continuing to invest money in that, then we know that it's well worth continuing to invest money and time and resources in sharing that message. Yeah. So just a reminder as to why this particular element is important for innovation, because you might be sitting there thinking, well, this is just something that I already do, or this is like, how is this linked to innovation? The reason why linking change And everything that you do in the organization to mission is because that's the reason for why you want people to innovate. If we're just asking people to do the same thing as they did previously, there's no need for innovation. So this construct using that CIA method will really ensure that when you are out there working in the environment as a leader, that people are really starting to understand just how critical and important their work is 
And when you then start to talk to them about, look, this is why we need to do more, or this is why we need to do something different, it's really easy for them to understand the reasons behind that. And when we get that why element right, then people will get out of their comfort zone, they will do things differently, and we have you know, a reason to innovate at the end of the day. Want to improve your co-design skills and confidence? Join Tracy Newman, the co-host of this podcast and head of impact at Impacto Consulting for the Co-Design for Impact training program. In this training, you'll explore co-design from start to finish, learning how to understand diverse stakeholder needs and create innovative solutions. You'll also get access to the co-design workbook with essential worksheets and connect with like-minded individuals from the social sector. Act fast because this popular course fills up quickly. Secure your spot now by clicking the link in this episode's show notes or visiting impactoconsulting.com.au forward slash co-design for impact. Remember, co-design for impact is one word with no hyphens. Don't miss this chance to enhance your co-design skills. Next is all about adaptable and flexible leadership. And this is really talking about like how do we have our leadership style be one that is set in the context of the environment that we're in, knowing that that is continually changing. So often you hear, you know, people will talk about different styles as though they're a a fixed way of being. And, you know, sometimes we do have a natural preference towards a, a particular style, but the most creative leaders we see are the ones who are able to adapt their style to suit the environment environment and the situation that they're in. So there are certain things that we see that that enable us to know that, wow, that that is what that adaptability and flexibility looks like. But if you think about for yourself, like what is it that I need to bring to this conversation that's going to be the most effective for the person that I'm dealing with? And that's an example. It might not always be a conversation. So you could always just sort of say, you know, what do I need to bring to this situation that's going mm. to be the most effective? Not just kind of like your default sort of style that you bring into whatever situation you're in. Yeah, like a good example of that could be like you could be a very like, super collaborative, like let's get everybody on board type leader, which is awesome. But in some cases, that's not the best style to be helping with. And a good example of that is there's a lot of leadership books that talk about leadership through political situations and they talk a lot about how the wartime leader has to have a very different style to the prosperous times leader. They need to put different messages out there. They need to approach things a little bit differently. Maybe they need to be a little bit more frugal than they need to be when things are going well. They need to make different decisions. You can't just operate the same way no matter the the situation in the organization and the, and the landscape that you're faced with. And I guess that's what we're really talking about here. And why this is really super critical at the moment is that the best leaders who have been able to negotiate the last couple of years where things have just been changing rapidly are the ones that we see who are adaptable and flexible. They have realized that they can't control that there's a pandemic. They've realized that they can't control that there's been a Royal Commission and there's all these new standards that have come their way. What they do is is that they take those messages and they look at, okay, this is the landscape. How am I going to flex here and adapt the way that I'm leading to be able to achieve these outcomes? And that's what we're kind of talking about is that they have that way of just going, look, let's just keep moving forward and getting this stuff done. Doesn't mean that they have to be all smile on their face at any cost. You know, these people are still humans and they might take a bump from some of these changes coming their way because it's upset the way that they were working. But what they do is, is they quickly adjust their approach after that and they get on with getting the job done. 
Yeah, absolutely. I see the difference there is really just having that self-awareness so that you're right, like sometimes things happen and, and we are impacted ourselves and that's okay. And sometimes the situation is that it's best to call it out and say, hey, I'm feeling a bit impacted by this and this is what we need to do. And sometimes we need to galvanize ourselves, get through the situation and then talk about our feelings afterwards. And it is about having that self-awareness so that you understand how it is that you're showing up for the people around you and the people that you're leading. Yeah, absolutely. And we tie this back to innovation. You're not going to get creativity if you're very rigid in the way that you work. You're not going to get innovation when you aren't open to doing things in different ways. Like those things are linked. So it's super important that we are self-aware and actively trying to ensure that the way that we are working is flexible and adaptable because we just, the thing with innovation is it's messy. It's not a linear process where we just, oh, okay, yeah, you know, it's really simple and it's easy to work out. You have to really have that ability to be able to just constantly be on your toes and to be thinking differently if you want to play in this space. You know, trying to think of, I want everything ordered and linear and stable. It's, that's not the space that we're playing in here. And that's just really not serving people well in the way that the world is changing around us. That's right. Yeah. We can spend our energy on adapting to the new or trying to hang on to the old, even as the world is changing around us. And we always find the best approach is to think about, okay, so how do I take the best of what exists now into the best of what we can help to create in terms of a future? The third one is around fostering creativity. So as the leader, what we want to be able to do is with the people within the organization, we want to be able to create an environment where creativity flourishes. And that's really important because and there's a number of different ways that this can play out. First thing is really about creating an environment that's kind of psychologically safe for people so that people can feel like they actually can take risks and that you've still got their back. But it's also about as well allowing people to learn from what they're doing at the end of the day and learn as an organization like it's a very different mindset when you foster creativity versus you're in that you've done something wrong mistakes type mindset yeah i think the mindset that i really like there they were talking about reframing fail fast to learn quickly and i think that's a a powerful reframe there because it's like okay so what do we need to do to learn as much as we can about this thing that we're working on as quickly as we can and i Mm. think that's a more appealing way of considering that learning Yeah, for sure. So, things that you can do as a leader to think, am am I actually fostering creativity in in my work is to think about, do you only share wins in your team or are you also sharing stories and praising people for learning something in their work? So, what we mean by that is, did somebody maybe try something, didn't maybe get the expected outcome that we were hoping to get, but we got this rich insight because of that that can now help us do things better. The leaders that we see that really foster that environment of creativity, they do that. They're talking about wins as well as what people have learned. They don't see mistakes or things that didn't go as planned as a failure. And it's not just about changing the language. It's about changing your behavior towards that. That's the bit that I really want to stress. I worked for somebody a a number of years ago now and they would say, oh, I'm up for you trying new things. But every time we would try something different and it didn't get the outcome that they expected from it, I could feel the pressure from that leader around their disappointment and their anxiety around looking bad. So, 
what people did was just start going, actually, they're saying this, but I can feel like this is actually very risky for my career. And so, they didn't, people stopped trying to do things very different. They sort of just maintained the status quo rather than really sort of trying to push that and try and get better outcomes through being a little bit more innovative. So, that's how that can kind of play out in the real world. That's a blind spot for that person, even though they're saying the right things and wanting that you know, we hear that innovation is important. We hear that creativity is a really important leadership skill. So often people will say the words, but they don't necessarily have that that confidence behind those words. And it really becomes quite apparent. So, you know, if that's you and you're hearing something in this story that's sort of having you go, oh, actually, yeah, I do get really nervous about looking bad. You want to think about for yourself, like now that you know how that shows up for the people that you are leading, what can you do to be more comfortable with that? Is there a story that you're telling yourself around your need to be great or perfect to be good enough? And is there a way that you can work through that? Because you're not going to be able to provide what the people that you are leading need whilst that's still an issue for yourself personally. Yeah, that's a great call. And the other one I'll just add to that as well is that diverse teams are better at solving problems. So, have a think about that too. What sort of diversity do you have within your team and how do you sort of help people play to their strengths and acknowledge those strengths and and bring that to decision-making and the way that the team operates? Because people really feel valued and you have a lot of people being able to sort of bring that perspective, even if the whole team doesn't necessarily agree, you get this respect in this culture where everybody feels like they're contributing and you get the outcomes that you get, people start to realize that we wouldn't have got that if we didn't have that diversity. I've seen this play out a lot in different teams where it's sometimes as a manager, it can be easy to hire like people, but you kind of end up just all sort of oh, that sounds amazing. I love it. You do have more robust conversations when you've got diversity, but once you start getting a few wins on the board, it becomes so obvious in the value of that diversity. And I think that's just something that leaders really have to lean into and deliberately create that environment. So, if you are doing that, fantastic. If you're not, that could be something else to think about. Absolutely. And I think the really important call when you're talking about diversity isn't about hiring diverse people and then trying to make them all the same. It is actually about promoting that diversity within your existing team now and also considering how can we increase the diversity of our team in any new hires as well. The next one is about creating space for creativity. So, this is one that we see a lot in the not-for-profit space where there's a big opportunity to do more of. And what we're talking about here is is that when you're not creating space for creativity, you're usually just putting out the spot fires within the operations and you're so busy and overloaded with work because of the nature of your role that you're not taking time out to think strategically, to analyze and to be creative in your day. Like I said, it's a common scenario that we see. The best leaders, no matter how busy they are, what we see them doing is focus on booking out time in their calendar and they also allow their teams to do the same thing to do that important thinking because we've used this analogy a few times now. If you need to know how to get somewhere, you really need to sometimes plan it out and think about it and you need to have that space to come up with those different ways that you could do that, etc. If you just jump in the car and just start frantically driving around and doing jobs, you're probably not going to get there and that's kind of 
what happens in organizations with a lot of leaders is they get so caught up in the immediate stuff that they need to do that they just don't spend that time doing that super critical, creative and strategic thinking and then work. Now, if you're listening to this and your brain has gone straight to, yes, but you don't understand, (laughs) dot, 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 we do. And I see this is one of the biggest challenges that we see leaders in this space deal with continually. And we can't just stress how important it is. And you hear the platitudes and you hear this information all the time. You know, you can't pour from an empty cup, et cetera, et cetera. It is so true. It really is about taking that time to sharpen the saw so that you can actually be more effective and be more productive. We do understand it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. What we're saying is we acknowledge it's not easy and it's so important and we know that you'll find a way to do it knowing how important that is. Don't think we're saying here that you need to dedicate half your week to this or something like that. Like if you can only give yourself a couple of hours, then give yourself that couple of hours. But the leaders that we see who do this really well is that they understand the importance of doing this thinking and doing this work. So they schedule this into their calendar and they protect that. And so when somebody tries to put something over the top of that or something else comes up, they say, sorry, I'm actually busy at that time because they understand that by making that decision to give up that and let that other piece of short-term information come in over the top, that there's going to be long-term ramifications for not just their team but the organization because as leaders, this stuff is a key part of the role that we're expected to perform. So to not do that, is not helping us to do the role to our full requirements. Absolutely. And I think you've given me a perfect segue for the last one, which is that constructively pushing back. And it is about how do you say no to the things that are going to get in the way of the things that you really need to be able to say yes to. And acknowledging that if you say yes to everything, then that means that inadvertently you are saying no to some things. So constructively pushing back means that you're able to be really clear about the things that you are going to be able to say yes to, but also that you're able to constructively push back so that you're spending your time and energy on the things that create the most value. Yeah. And on top of that too, it's also about how do you challenge the status quo in the organization? So you can build a skill set around this to do this in a way where it feels constructive but you're also leading at the same time. Where we see this not going well is when people don't do this in a constructive way and then a lot of people just think they're a bit of a pain in the ass because they just constantly aren't agreeing or they're pushing against that status quo. You do have to do this in a particular way, which is using storytelling. It's about linking it to that mission, surprise, (laughs) and it's about using data to tell that story and and compel people. The other really awesome thing that you can do as well that we've seen leaders do is, is whenever you are working on something, don't do it in isolation. If you're collaborating with people, you can bring them on that journey with you. You don't have to kind of do it after the fact where you're like, all right, I've developed this concept or whatever it might be and I want to try and do something different than what the status quo is kind of doing and you don't have to then come in and be like, here's the whole thing that you guys have not been a part of. If you can sort of bring those people on that journey and help them to understand and be a part of that story, 
then obviously as well, it's a lot easier for you to get that change across the line when it comes down to making a decision because people have felt that they have been a part of it and they've also seen the same information that you have and they've been able to ask questions along or, and, or express concerns along the way. So the leaders that do this really well, that's how they approach this. If that's not possible and it's something that has been very much focused in your department or your team or something like that, then the next best way to do it is to then after the fact bring people on that journey and tell them about this is why we need to be doing things differently around here. You, but you really have to build that case so that you can get that across the line. Yeah, so often we see people just assume that, you know, this is a good idea, this is the right thing to do, <laughs> but we still need to be able to understand other people's emotions and to be able to sort of share that story in a way that allows them to come along with you. And one of the really important first steps of that is to actually listen to people. So yes, we're talking about storytelling. Yes, we're talking about using data to tell that story, but people won't be able to hear you if they're too full of their own stuff. So sometimes the most powerful first step is to really listen to people and understand, well, what is it you need? And then you can make sure that you're tailoring those conversations to meet their needs as well. Yeah, one of the things that popped into my mind as you were saying that is that podcast we recorded with Victor Dominello and he was talking about how he had to collaborate across parties and one of the first places that he would start if he didn't feel like everyone was on the same page was, well, what do we agree on then? And by getting that and listening to other people's perspectives and saying, well, we agree on these five things, which is the core of the policy or whatever it is that they're trying to push through, but there's these two sticking points. You could then isolate those two sticking points and compromise on those, whereas sometimes when you do go into one of those discussions, it feels like you don't agree on anything, and that's often not true. So having that sort of an approach in the scenarios that Tracy was talking about can also help those people to feel heard and for you to actually listen because they might have some really great, valid ideas and perspectives that you may not have actually thought about. So you'll get a lot more well-rounded ideas and you'll be able to use that diversity of opinion to help you get better outcomes. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's it. I guess what we just sort of spoke about is that you know in the new year, if you do want to create that culture of innovation, there's sort of five different areas that you really want to get humming in your team through your leadership. And it really is about how do you take where the organization's going and sprinkle that into all of your conversations, your interactions, and alignment of reward and recognition to ensure that every single person can join the dots and is on the same page of where we're heading as an organization and why we want to make change. The next one is all around having an adaptive and flexible approach to your leadership so that no matter what the world throws at you, hopefully 2024 is a a great year and some of these things settle the hell down. But uh, yeah, if they don't, you are able to adapt and fulfill your duties and lead as a leader and not let that throw you off track. You want to be able to foster creativity which is all about creating that psychologically safe environment so that people can be creative and you do it in a way where you value learning, not just looking at it as mistakes. You value that learning and you have that environment where people are constantly getting better at what they do. You want to create space for people to have that and yourself so that you can actually have creativity into your role and, and innovation and strategy, not just putting out those spot fires. And finally, you want to be able to constructively push back against the status quo so that you are enabled to lead and make change rather than just doing what's always been done. So that's it for us. Great to be back. Thanks, Trace, as always. And we're looking forward to many more episodes this year with you all. So thank you. 
Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.